It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago. And here in New York City, it's 7 p.m. Hello, everybody. I'm Mad Dog DeCipio. Welcome again to What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast. I'm joined tonight, as I am each and every week, by the mouth of the South herself, <laughs> Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman. How you doing, Amelia? Good, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. What did you do for fun today? Nothing. <laughs> I just worked. I got to get you out. I really got to get you out Actually, of here. How, how, how do you know when you're finished? Right? <laughs> when you're doing nothing, how do you know when you're finished? Right? I'm <laughs> a good book right here. See? It's an yeah. amazing book. I, I know that. I know. I, I haven't got my copy. You haven't got your copy. I haven't got my copy. Oh, get your coffee, bro. Oh, well, you know what? I can pull up the ebook version. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We all got a cup here. No, copy. Uh, copy. Oh, copy. That's the coffee. I'm all fucked up. <laughs> I'm sure I've got it somewhere. See where my head is at. I'm going right for the, right for the cup. I, I got it back to see. <laughs> well, yeah, crazy. Dan, I you bought my own book. Copy tonight. Yeah. Really? Let, yeah. No, I haven't got one with me. For you, brother. I haven't got one with me. Well, let me introduce everybody. Tonight, cover. the return. But, but here it of is. Dan Emer. Yay. Dan is a. There's the copy, the ebook copy. Beautiful. <laughs> Dan is a returning guest on the show. He is uh, one of our favorite people. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Dan Emer. And, and you probably already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway because that's my job and that's what I'm supposed to do. How so, much is true? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun night tonight. I should, I should, hey, I should, this should be a beer, beer then. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Dan Emer is a certified and credential fitness exercise and strength conditioning coach, as well as holds a Bachelor of Science from the uh, Concordia University in Montreal. Dan had lofty goals as a young 16 year old kid. Writing a novel was near the top of a very long list he had. And after publishing two fitness books, Dan tried his hand. At a real novel. Well, his first thriller, The Satan Gene, was custom made for conspiracy kooks like us. <laughs> Interwoven with secret codes, Catholic intrigue, and tantalizing blends of fact and fiction, The Satan Gene will make even those ardent conspiracy skeptics question everything they think they know. Is it real or is it a figment of a great writer's imagination? That's the question you'll ask. Author Dan Emer makes a return to the show, talking up his epic, and we do mean epic, novel, The Satan Gene. It's a book I described as the Da Vinci Code on steroids, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Well, it really is. You, got, you have to admit. It, it really is. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome back Dan Emer? Yes, welcome back. Hello. Yes. A lot of people over there. Got, yes. <laughs> I brought them in from outside. Yeah. Dan, how the hell are you, brother? Doing pretty good. You doing are doing pretty good. Keeping busy, not uh, not sitting on my hands and doing nothing. Well, good, good. Now I would I would expect you to get busy doing something for for crying out loud. At least I hope so. Anyway, writing another <laughs> book would be right, one of them. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah. It's, I, I'm actually into it right now. Uh, I do a little bit every day, I do some research, a lot of reading, note-taking, yeah. and uh, scene writing. So Gareth Blackwell will definitely be making a return to the uh, the printed page. 
uh, Absolutely. As, yeah, as to when, <laughs> I don't know. But it's uh, sooner than later. Then I should tell people it took Dan 27 years to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like, an, no, it took you two and a half years, you said, right? It was uh, five years. Oh, five years. Yeah, wow. yeah. But of that, I would say cumulative, it was about three years of research uh, on and off. Mm -hmm. And then the rest was basically putting it all together. Yeah. Uh, so I, I actually finished it, polished it off. And and edited and brought everything down to what you've got right there uh, yeah. during during COVID, yeah. Because we were all locked down, so I had nothing else to do apart from that. So I, I took off my trainer hat and put on my author hat. Yeah, and uh, I there should it is. tell people that this book then is five hundred and fifty eight pages, and it's a pretty massive work. Uh, I will tell you the research that went into this is you are either the world's <laughs> greatest researcher or you have a psychic gift that nobody knows about because some of the stuff that i came across in this book is happening now yeah a lot of it is happening. one of the reasons why i didn't want to wait for uh, an agent or a traditional publisher because i figured i can go quite a long ways before somebody said, yeah, we'll take it on. So I decided to go the, uh, the uh, independent route because it was very timely information. And yeah. I didn't want to pass, you know, to, to sort of like have it skip over and go into, uh, you know, something else that wasn't pertinent to today's news and uh, headlines. Right. So uh, there it is. It, it, it had to come out. Yeah. One of the things uh, as I got you know, the first time around, we just had so much fun talking to you. We hardly ever talked about the book, like the <laughs> the, the inner guts of the book. Um, we we kind of skirted around it, but tonight we're going to get into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, and that and that hour went by fast. But yeah, well, we're going to go a little longer tonight if you want. All right, I'm cool with we, that. We have time to do that. Um, here's the thing. One of the things I I love the fact that you found a woman. To be the catalyst for evil, uh, Abriana. Yeah, don't yes. don't sell the punch. We're not gonna I'm give not, away. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you. Trust me when I tell you, I'm not giving anything away. You're going to find out soon enough that Abriana is a, a, an interesting character to say the least. But I love mm -hmm. the fact that you used a woman. Um, to do certain things that you would never expect a woman to do. I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. The other thing is your knowledge of the ancient texts, the uh, the ancient scripts, as it were. Where did where did you garner that knowledge from in your research? Because some of this stuff isn't like readily available. No, that I was. Uh... I tried to search it out. Yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff is very obscure. Um, <clears throat> I had to dig a lot. I had to dig tremendously for a lot of the information. Uh, I wouldn't call it knowledge as opposed to just learnings that I picked up along the way. Um, mind you, I mean, if you if you ask me any theological question right now, I'd probably be like off base completely because I'm not the expert. It's the Gareth right. Blackwell of the book who's the the expert. You know, I yeah. mean, you have to ask him if you if he existed. Well, that's an uh, interesting. That's an absolutely stellar segue because the way you just phrased that is an interesting juxtaposition we've had authors here before 
and they often speak in third person about their character, almost as if it's their alter ego. So how, first of all, how was Gareth Blackwell uh, born? Where did you give him life at? That's a really good question because there wasn't any one defining moment where that character uh, sort of like manifested himself. Um, it was sort of like along the way I started adding pieces to the character and uh, the name changed, I think, three times before it actually became what it is now. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's and, interesting. Uh, um, yeah. What would, you know, now that, you know, Gareth is the star of the book. But what would the name have been had you not chosen Gareth Blackwell? I was looking at Connor as a first name. Uh, I can't remember what the last name was supposed to be, but I knew I wanted a nickname in there because it added more personality to the character. Yeah. So uh, with a Blackwell, I said, well, Blackie, it's kind of cute. That could, that could work. And uh, so that was really the, the, uh, the, the reasoning behind that particular name. Uh, and I wanted something a little bit more exotic, something that, you know, yeah. it, it has a bit of a Celtic twist to it as well, right? He sounds yeah. a little bit more Scottish than, uh, or Irish or whatever. Yeah. And, and seeing as he lives in Boston and there's a big contingency of Irish down there. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's, I figured, I, I I figured it would that, fit. I asked you that question for a reason. I had the chance to interview actor Bob Denver who we all wow. remember from Gilligan's <laughs> Island. Wow. And I yeah. asked, I, yeah, and I, uh, what a, I loved him. He was a great guy. We were friends as well. And I asked Bob, I said, you know, the show was called Gilligan's Island, but it almost wasn't called Gilligan's Island. It was almost called Flanagan's Island. I said, because I, I <laughs> said to him, what would the name have been if it wasn't Gilligan? He said it was going to be Flanagan's Island. And I said to him, what was Flanagan's first name? Or in the, your case, Gilligan, what was the first name of the character? And he said, they never used it, but it was going to be Willie Gilligan. For Gilligan's, don't ask me how. I would, it would have made more sense, Willie Flanagan, because it's Irish. Right. I don't know how to get Willie and Gilligan, but Willie Flanagan would have would have worked. But and it's interesting because he said that the director Sherwood Schwartz, who wrote the screenplay, went through five or six different drafts. So here's my question to you: How many drafts did you go through before you got what what I'm holding in my hand? Okay, I went through so many that to the point that I don't know how many I went through. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. um, it's right and save and right and save and right and save. So I must have like about 120 versions of it uh, wow. kicking around. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, and even then when I was going into drafts, final drafts or whatever, I kept thinking it was the final draft and it ended up by not being the final draft. So I think I had like 15 final drafts. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was it was and, a big learning curve and a and a tremendous you know writing experience. And, that's and, remarkable. And, you know, we've again we've had writers on the show. Emil, you know our mm -hmm. our friends Tamara Thorne, yes, Alistair Cross. You know, we've had these people on the show. It's it's just remarkable the process that you writers go through. I say you writers, including you in there, Dan, because it really is. 
if you think about the work that goes into a book, it's very painstaking because an author loves the words and an author wants to keep everything. No author ever wants to edit out. They always want to edit in. And if you do that, you've got something that looks like the New York phone directory. Yeah, it was it was huge at the beginning because there was about um, it's a it's a little over a hundred or it's about one hundred and four thousand words right now. And at the time, there was about twenty five thousand more in there. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. So I had to I had to really sharpen my knife and just start carving stuff out, and it was a painful process. It was a difficult process. It was like, okay, this is a great scene, but it doesn't drive the story forward. So do I really need it or can I use it? For, so I put it in the file on the side for yeah. some other book along the way. So yeah. these things will come back. I mean, they're not wasted, but they were not necessarily uh, elements that, that were interesting. They were fun. They were, uh, you know, like exciting, but they weren't going to drive the story forward. It was almost like going off on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, and, and it would have been pretty big to try and bring the ship back. So I said, okay, let's lean it up a bit, uh, keep the critical stuff and uh, save the other stuff for uh, book two, three, four, whatever. (laughs) It plays out beautifully. Amelia, you are up the bat in the big camera. (laughs) Oh, Question for our friend Dan Emer. (laughs) That's a big camera. No, uh, That's a big camera. <laughs> I know, right? Now I was looking through the book, and uh, you were had you had mentioned in there about the you know newborns that were going to be, you know, certain things about the genetics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically now, I see that the men are becoming more masculine. Did you, did you foresee that before you even wrote in the book about that? Because that's what's happening Not at now. All. Not at all. Uh, that's technology that is evolving at the speed of light right now. So uh, I, I might even be just a little bit behind the curve with it at this point. Uh, but a lot of the stuff that I wrote uh, was science-backed. Uh, there was a lot of research done into genetics and uh, radiogenetics and stuff like that to create the, the, uh, the weapon in, que- in question. Um, and one of the things that it was able to do was modify the human genome uh, permanently and it, that it could be transferred to subsequent generations and yeah. basically rewrite the DNA of human beings. And there it is. It's, a, it's an evolution. It's, it's accelerated evolution is what it is uh, with a military application. Uh, yeah. But uh, did I see it going anywhere else in terms of uh, hyper-masculinity or whatever? No, that was not... Uh, uh, that was not there for me, you know. Yeah. Thanks for the curveball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of curveball, let's let me throw one at you. Uh-oh. All uh, right. One of the characters, uh, one of the pivotal characters in the book, is Torigon. I'm not going to give uh, too much away, but yeah. Torigon is he's uh, in possession of a particular ancient manuscript, an, an old book. And uh, and I want to I want to read a passage and then we'll talk about it. Targon was struggling with the priest declaration, but I found the book. You poor soul, we put that book, and we put that particular Bible in every room of this institute as part of our conditioning program for facilitating for facilitating asset recruitment. I'm going to talk about that. You know where I'm going with it. You're already smiling. I guess. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, the priest said, no, the priest said with the slow shake of his head as he laid the foundation for the manipulation 
he was about to perform. It is easy to deceive creatures like this when, turn the page, when they have been reduced to nothing and are almost pleading for anything that could save them. Where have we heard that recently? You did not find this particular Bible. It found you. Now, let us talk. Let us talk about that passage, Dan Emer. Mm -hmm. um, again, uh, that's something we've seen happen in history. People that of a certain age will remember many years ago, of my age and, and certainly your age, Dan, we remember a group called the Gideons that used to Do play... We? Yeah, we, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you on that one because I'm not sure where they they were where they fit in. But okay, but the Gideons used to place Bibles in every hotel and motel room in the ah, United States. Okay, I don't know if they did that in Canada, but it explains why there's so many damn Catholics here um, <laughs> that don't know the Bible. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. The, but, the, but the question I have is, is as potent now and relevant now as it was back then. The Gideons also were a group that manipulated, that organization manipulated people, especially the people that were uh, downtrodden, people that were uh, in need of help, the helpless, many of them poor, um, and they used their organization to brainwash otherwise really decent people into believing their load of horseshit. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I'm not bashing, you know, the Bible itself because I'm a, a, a spiritual person. I'm not religious at all, but I am spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so the question has to be asked, what did you know? And and when did you know it about what's happening now? Because we're seeing that now. I didn't. Really? I didn't. I made it up. Can I ask you a question? And I'm going to get a little heavy with you here. Yeah. Were you guided spiritually by any force? Uh, call it God or whatever, you know, um, higher power? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there was something that was definitely helping me out along the way. Um, and I think we, we alluded to this the last time we spoke uh, in the previous uh, interview, but uh, there was a lot of moments, there were a lot of moments that, um, you know, I wasn't sure about things. I didn't know how the storyline was going to go. You know, there were a lot of question marks along the way. And I just, I just, threw it up to the universe and I said, okay, you know what, you, you work on it, come back to me with the answer and I'll work on something else in the meantime. And there were uh, a, a tremendous number of moments along the way where my answers came uh, in weird ways. I'd be reading another book or I'd be watching a television program or listening to the news or talking to somebody, uh, you know, a client. And all of yeah. a sudden, bam, it would just hit me. Oh my God, I got my answer. And um, so I started believing that there was an outside force that was definitely helping in this, uh, this process uh, to the point that I, I now believe it's part of my process of, you know, uh, creation. That if I hit a, a roadblock or if I, you know, something's not working, I just 
you know, let it go, mm -hmm. let the universe take care of it. You can call it higher consciousness, or you can say subconsciousness if mm -hmm. you want, but I'd let that other power take care of it and, you know, get back to me when you got the answer. Right. And, and that liberates me a lot. Um, so I, from that point of view, I guess you can say, yeah, I've got an outside force that's working mm -hmm. uh, to, to help me, you know, put yeah. the, put the story together. And it's happening again, you know, with the, uh, the one I'm working on right now. It's so, interesting. I've, I've asked people that, that have written theological books. Um, I've actually written two. Um, I, my first book was called uh, Psychic Fingerprints, A Life's Manifesto. And my second one was the, uh, uh, it was called Stay Tuned. It was the psychic realm from a theological perspective. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that one's no longer available, but I, I'm thinking of reprinting it. Um, here's the interesting thing, though, that I found. I found myself, much like, your, much like you and your process, I found myself guided by this energy and just letting it go. That's yeah. you, you lead, I'll follow where you take me. And I had that book done in six months. Wow. You want to write my one, my second one? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, you know, I'll give you, it you'll time. be my outside force. I'll transfer it to you. You take care of it. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I'm pretty good, you know. I'm pretty good at words, but I'm not. I don't have Dan Emer patience, though, for the hundred and five thousand words. What I do want to do, though, is talk to you about uh, some of the interesting um, catalysts that you use in the book. Um, I'm going to uh, refer to uh, where. Where Gareth Blackwell is, he's kind of like at the point now where he's starting to ask questions of a technical nature. And he asked the question, uh, there's a, wait a second, what's a vector? Blackwell said. Uh, Morgan crossed his arms. It's the scientific term that basically means a virus. Okay, so that's the catalyst. Then here's what happens. He says to Garrett Blackwell, we've been using this kind of tech for a couple of years now to perform gene editing of crops and insect via specialized viruses called horizontal environmental gene alteration agents. Blackwell looked at the quantum biologist. So that's how the synthetic DNA strands uh, would end up permanently in the human population. Stop right there. This was at a time you're writing this, we're smack in the middle of the coronavirus. Yeah. How did that impact your not only writing of this passage, but coming up with a name to call it? Where did uh, the, let's see, they're, they're calling it, the Hegea, it's H-E-G-A-A, -A, or Horizontal Environmental Gene Alteration Agent. Mm -hmm. And we're going to call it Hegea. Okay. Because I like that name. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did that happen? Uh, again, 
I, I read a lot of research on DNA modifications. I read a lot of research on viral infections. I, I mean, I don't know if the CIA, FBI, CSIS, or whatever have been monitoring me for the last few years because a lot of the searches that I was doing, I said, somebody's gonna be picking up on this and thinking I'm setting up a, you know, like a, <laughs> some kind of like a intense viral agent that I'm gonna attack people with. But no, it was, it was uh, I, I needed to sort of like talk the jargon that is used in that industry and yeah. uh, use the, the real terms. Oh, because yeah. again, again, I mean, I wanted this novel to be very realistic, mm -hmm. and I can't, uh, I can't just throw out terms or make up terms. I wanted it to be very, very much mm -hmm. in line with the jargon of those types of people in that type of, you know, like uh, yeah. milieu or scientific uh, milieu. So um, I was looking for technical terms. I was looking for stuff that was, um, you know. That you can confirm that you can go on the internet and find it and yeah. and it's backed up so i couldn't do that by making stuff up i, I mean i had yeah. to use the real stuff so For i was sure. into a lot of reading on viral infections and 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 to to get back to the initial part of the question no the coronavirus um it didn't affect the way i was going to write it only because all that stuff had been written before mm -hmm. and if anything it just corroborated what i was saying uh, if the, the only thing it did, however, was make me a little bit more anxious to get the book published. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's sort of like the timing. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we're talking about viruses. Of a, understand. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Do I understand. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was. It's like you know, strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, was. exactly. So that was the the uh, that was a big 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 push forward, a very strong uh, driving force to you know get the the book done and i found it very ironic that i was writing this stuff at the end yeah. right in the middle of a viral attack basically that that you know we can talk about the uh, the conspiracy theories about that uh till the the cows come home um so i was saying i'm right in the middle of something like that and it's happening live around me possibly you know you don't know if yeah. it's for sure you know mm -hmm. but sure but it it was that that particular moment that I said, okay, I've got to get it yeah. out because I might miss the bus in terms of the timeliness oh, yeah. of the, uh, that the, the you line, brother, yeah. your yeah. timing was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant timing. I want to follow up on that. Um, so, you know, now Gareth Blackwell knows that this is how they're doing things. So, um, and so uh, Abriana replies, she goes, that's the easiest part of the project. Uh, a mixture of pride and shame playing across her face, you know. And so she says, the method of delivery that Ashcroft proposed during uh, their one-hour ma marathon brainstorming session was a technical challenge, but elegantly simple. We would bioengineer a new and extremely contagious coronavirus. I'm That's the only time. That's the only time I said coronavirus in there. Yeah. Because that was the only term I changed to make it more in line with the current, uh, okay. you know, current well, events. Exactly. And, and That's the only one. Speaking of current, I got news for you, brother. Speaking of current, you may have given them an idea. They may be listening to you. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what. No, for I real, hope I'm not. Be very serious. <laughs> um, we will bioengineer a new and extremely contagious coronavirus. With its own unique DNA. That's, by the way, is, is real. It's happening yeah. now. It is. And, I, and we're going to tell you about it. 
um, the coronavirus is on the end and a cross strain with the permanent infectious characteristics of another virus. Then we would embed that unique DNA strand uh, onto a, a to payload um, the DNA strand payload into it. In other words, so they have this um, this virus cocktail, we'll call it, right? Now they have to deliver it into the population. Well, what better way than the air, the water, um, uh, hand-to-hand contact, any yeah. way you can? Oh, yes. You know, there's a new strain of coronavirus some time ago. Well, not some time ago, but in the last uh, year, six months to a year, um, that they had trouble getting rid of. And they called remember Amelia, what was yes. the name they gave to that? Oh gosh, what was it? There was a different name to it. I know that was like they a gave company. it a different name. It was called um oh man. Mm. Uh, uh, Apex or, or Apex or something like that. They called mm-hmm. the Apex strain or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some name like that. That's what they called it here anyway. Yeah, but there was this that. um strain of coronavirus called Apex. And what they basically done was they dropped it from the air. You know? It's, it's airborne in the truest sense. It just floats and you breathe it and it gets on flowers and plants and you breathe it and what it's, it's elegantly simple as evil Abriana says. <laughs> you know? Yep. But yeah, but you had that idea before coronavirus. Yeah. 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 So I don't know who's who's watching who, brother. Um, it's interesting. One of the other things is um, each desired outcome is signal traffic and host DNA specific. Once an individual is marked, and I like the word marked, we determine an outcome and send a code frequency to burst the Satan gene uh, DNA strand. It, in turn, proceeds to carry out the specific order in the target's body. Simple as that. And this was at a time, again, prior to the full-on outbreak of COVID-19. Yeah, I'm not responsible no, I'm not no, saying he's not responsible for that, people. Sorry. No, I'm not saying you are. <laughs> Ab- no, no, but please, I'm not no, certainly this is not. Fiction. Well, I'm saying that that's absolutely part of yeah. my language, but it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's you know, on right there. Yeah, it's brilliant in a in an evil, twisted, sadistic sort of way, yeah. but it's brilliant yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Especially uh, when a, a writer's got. You know, subject matter like this, you can go crazy with stuff like this. Oh, absolutely. Look what Dan Brown did with the Da Vinci Code. I think he was missing yeah. out, though, because he didn't have Dan Eno as a partner. <laughs> right. Just like, you know, like he writes here, like the Middle East, uh, they need oil and gas reserves. Why not, you know, put the, you know, this illness or disease out well, there? Well, I'll tell you what, Amelia, why, why don't you ask? ask your, go ahead, right? follow up on that. Go ahead. Yeah, because, I mean, just like the Middle East, they need oil and gas reserves. And why not put this little disease out there uh, just to uh, confuse people or to put it in plain sight as they say or uh, 
to hide, do a cover up while they do the little business out there, correct? I yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theory in that, eh? So uh, the the short answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, anything's possible. I think we're limited by our imagination. So it, it could be yes, but uh, that that one that that'd be more of a question for somebody a little bit higher up than I'm placed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll defer the question to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, they do a lot of the stuff. To me, to be honest with you, the conspiracy person in me, they raise the gas prices because they're up to something. That's just a, a little... Yeah, they're up to making money. <laughs> well, well that's yeah, just, absolutely. Well, well you know what, though, um, uh, Amelia, let me jump in here, because okay. I'm, I'm going to give it right back to you. But you know what, mm -hmm. Dan? She does bring up something important. Um. In real life, we know that there were certainly distractions. Coronavirus was a huge distraction. Big one. While other, you know, nefarious government entities, particularly United States government, because we lead the world in corruption like none other, yeah. uh, no other country leads the world in corruption like we do. And uh, and I'm I'm sorry to say that, folks, but it's the truth. It is. Um, it saddens me to say that. Because we used to be a great country. Now we fucking suck. Yes. Um, but she brings up a point. In the book, there's one thing that I noticed that you didn't do. You didn't take advantage of um, distractions, per se. Uh, and if you did, and I'm missing it, explain what distraction you might have utilized in the book. No, I didn't... Um... No, I didn't use any big distractions only because the the storyline, well, the story was happening sort of like behind the scenes. It's a covert operation. Right. So uh, it didn't require anything outside to distract people from what's well, going on. Yeah. It was already covert. So, I mean, nobody was knowing what was going on. It was the behind the scenes stuff that's yeah. being done while somebody else is putting out a, a, uh, yeah. a distraction, you know? Well, you might be surprised on book two because, yeah, that does come into play a little bit more. Dan brings up yeah. a valid point, Mill, mm -hmm. yes. because we, you and I, are, we're in the population. We're, we're seeing the results of the nefarious activity. Dan is writing from within the, He's uh, like the, behind the, scenes the, the nefarious infrastructure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, and that's why, you know, again, I'm reading it from a different perspective, but Correct. if I, you know, if I put my conspiracy hat on, I can see it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's why I thought, you know, that's when I saw, read that passage, he's correct right there where the yeah. East and everything needs soil and the gas. Oh, reserves. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Neil. I'll, t I'll turn it back over to you as I promised. No, that's fine. It's just that, you know, when I saw that right there, he's correct in that part because they're wanting that. And of course, they're going to use every little, uh, power that they can to take away mm -hmm. anything that they've developed oh sure and they're gonna uh, do everything to give it to the highest bidder hmm. or steal that, it yeah from the highest it's an bidder. interesting point yeah. interesting point in, in fact they um, don't want the united states to have it you know dan was one of the things that i never and i could it's a, such a simple question i could have asked you the last time but i didn't uh are you a conspiracy theorist that is a good question no uh i don't think i'm a conspiracy theorist i'm even though I write to that particular population, okay, and uh, well, but but, but 
but I, I am a firm believer that there are probably weird, nefarious things going on behind the scenes that we don't know of, you know, uh, in the mainstream or, you know, it's, it's very difficult. It's very, uh, there's so much going on now. There yeah. are so many uh, pieces on the board moving at the same time that it's very difficult to figure out what's true and what's not true. Yeah. So from that point of view, I'm more of a, of a, um, I, I'd like to say more of a, an investigator. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's an interesting question. Yeah. To well, sort of like dig in. Would, would, I'm sorry. Would, would you consider yourself an investigative journalist? It has, it had certainly had feelings of that along the way. Uh, you know, there was some stuff that I was reading. I'm like, oh my God, do we have, do we have hope for humanity? Yeah. Uh, because I was finding out, you know, certain things and it was, it was a, it was almost like a bit of a dark period in that research yeah. because I was like, okay, well, you know what humanity is, let's, let's put it this way. It's screwed. Uh, yeah. because we have so many bad things going on or we're suspecting so many bad things are going on Yeah. that, um, you know, how, how is the power of good going to, you know, find a way of overcoming all of this stuff? Yeah. Um, sure. <clears throat> you know, so for for me, yeah, I definitely had a feeling of that along the way. There was a there was a um, an underlying, let's say, a little theme of exposing stuff yeah. that I wanted to sort of like explore with the story and you know bring to light certain things that maybe people never knew or so. Yeah. Oh, brother, I, I, can, I, I and can, it's full of it, huh? It's it's oh, full of little moments. Out. Oh my God! Can I help you out on your next one? Oh my God! <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to bring it to in a gentle way. Oh, you way. don't even. I'm no. I'm serious, bro. You don't even know. Holy shit! Yeah. I am up against a hard break, Dan uh, Amelia. We will be right back yes. after this word from Shopify. Just wanted to start a business when something surprising happens. Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting like a lot. And her friends noticed. Jess, you need to sell those. So she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got dang! And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life and become your own boss, build it on Shopify. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head. So your head will function as desired. Enter promo code Wrestling Future for a generous 20% discount. That's enter Wrestling Future for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and Wrestling with the Future going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. And so will we.
We are back, and you are watching America's Best Popcats. What's the buzz? And tonight, the return of Dan Emer. Dan, we are back from break. Amelia, you are up with question number one on part two. Go ahead, kid. Yes, uh, I, I noticed that you had uh, used some symbols in there, too, as well, from, like, either the Catholic Church and everything like that. And those were had me watching my Supernatural again, thinking, wait a minute, I can solve some of these. <laughs> but then I couldn't remember some of them. And you did a lot of research on that as well that I see in some angelic code that I still cannot believe where you got that from. Yeah, that's... Um, uh... Yeah, I, I wanted the, uh, the, the message to be coded uh, so that it was very difficult for anybody to read it apart from somebody who was well-versed in, in that kind of stuff. And, uh, Gla uh, you know, Blackwell being an expert in uh, all this theology, religion, and symbolism and stuff like that, um, amateur expert but still nonetheless an expert uh i wanted to give him a little bit of a challenge as to uh, you know you know be able to decipher this stuff without anybody else knowing about it so uh, when i was uh, and and seeing a saint saint michael uh, archangel saint michael is the you know, i said well why not have something angel oriented and uh that that's i did a search and that came up and i'm like oh this is perfect Oh, yeah. so uh, yeah, I use that. Uh, That's beautiful. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be looking at this angelic one. script, yeah, mm -hmm. or, or celestial yeah. script. Yes, I'm, I'm like fascinated by angelic script Me because too. it's um, nobody knows how far back it goes. And some no, people claim it goes know. back, well, yeah, some people yeah. claim it literally goes back to the, the very beginning of time. Um, there are places on the globe right now that contain genuine angelic script. Don't know how it got there. Yeah. Don't know who put it there. Um, in many cases, don't know how to decipher it or what it means. But you have to remember, and I, I always say this to people whenever I get, I get into one of these discussions, you know, and we see pictures of angels or we'll see pictures of jesus or what you know god quote god may or may not look like right you have to remember something the people back in that time didn't they didn't verbalize very well but they all drew they all wrote stuff down in art form that's many in a lot of cases that's how they spoke in pictures so when I see a picture of an angel that has wings, well, somebody saw that somewhere. Yes. And they drew what they saw. Or if I see uh, a, a cave uh, sketch or, or a carving on a cave wall mm -hmm. of something that looks uh, outer worldly, well, somebody saw that as well. Right. You know? Um but angelic script is all around us. We just have to know where to look for it. I believe that. And I believe that angelic script is as current as it is ancient. Um, how did you utilize, Dan, the uh, element of angelic script into weaving it into the story and having it make sense for the reader? 
it's a throw over from a previous idea that I had, but it was so cute I decided to leave it there. Um, because originally the um, most of the clues were going to be associated with uh, zodiac symbols, but uh, the actual zodiacs in the sky, um, the, the constellations. And when I was looking at the angelic script and I said, it lo almost looks like little constellations. I said, well, there's a good tie in there. But then I sort of like deviated from the, the constellation thing because at some point along the way, it was just getting too big, too heavy. Uh, it, it wasn't working. So I decided to put that part aside, but the angelic script, I said, you know, it's cute enough. It's, it's original enough. Let's leave it there and just move on. So uh, that's basically where it came from. Interesting. Um, your use of uh, certain symbology in the book, for example, you know, um, what they used to call the Celtic sun. It's um, a sphere with rays coming out of it. Uh, and then in the mm -hmm. center of it has three dots. Uh, and mm -hmm. you're, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the name that was given to that ages ago was called the Celtic sun. Yes. What did what name did you give to that, Dan? I didn't. <laughs> That's why I asked you because it doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a name. Uh, it's it's. Uh, That's I precisely it, why I, I asked you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Um, well, it was a bit of a the uh, symbol of the Jesuits, right? Um, so I decided to use a part of that with something else to sort of like give it a completely unique look to Sicarius's uh, uh, character. So it's interesting that you mentioned the Jesuits. I want to follow up with that right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Those of you who do not know and, and, and are not versed in Catholicism, the Jesuits are what we Catholics like to refer to as God's hit squad. They are, um, they're, they're, they're all mercenaries that have become priests and they are, they carry out the dirty work of the Vatican. I mean, tell me if I'm lying, Dan. From what I've read, there's a military. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They, they, um, yeah, they carry mm -hmm. out the, the Vatican's dirty work. Hmm. Um, and, and very publicly sometimes very publicly. Um, I'm curious if you have been either contacted by or referred by the Jesuits in any way, shape, or form. Um, you certainly didn't disparage them in the book, but you didn't do them any favors. Either. <laughs> well, I look on it as being something like the CIA. I mean, how many times have they been disparaged in movies and books? But, I mean, it still yeah, doesn't true. take away from what they're doing, you know? Uh, yeah. Or trying to do the same thing with the FBI, the same thing with any any you know military or uh, covert you know group like that. Uh, so they they're basically used in a storyline, but I mean it's mm -hmm. fictitious. I mean it's yeah you know it's it's not saying yeah they do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, the or, FBI. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I hope <laughs> they don't do this. <laughs> well, the FBI is in hot water right now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's been you know a lot of stories uh, over the years, evidently, about those things. But I mean, uh, in the end, uh, you know, they're being used fictitiously in in movies, uh, mm -hmm. uh, other books, uh, spy novels, or whatever. So uh, for me, it's sort of like, well, you know, 
I'll put it in there, but it's there. There's not. There's nothing in there, like you said, to disparage. Right. Um, it's it's basically used for a literary effect, as opposed mm -hmm. to you know trying to smear. Yeah, it's not a smear campaign. Right. Well, you took uh, a literary license with it, which <clears throat> every author does, and absolutely have the right to. Mm. Um, something you wrote about, frighteningly, that you wrote about, uh, is has come to pass uh in fact this year in fact came to pass in february of 2023 uh and you're not even going to believe it folks when i tell you but i'm not even i, I shit you not patent protected dna dan yeah. ema wrote about it years ago in this incredible book chapter 34 of the satan gene right there on the first page of chapter 34. The moment your personal DNA structure is modified with a permanently embedded government-designed military application, say that one fast, <laughs> part of your DNA will be patent-protected. And by the way, yes, it's happening now. Uh, it makes it such that the state will own part of you from that point forward well guess what folks it's already happened in the united states of america yes the former united states of america i should say this is no longer the united states this is fucking anarchy at best um you are you are now property of the state and that's what the nwo and the illuminati and the bilderbergs and the council of nine and the committee of 300 that's what they want you to do. They want you to be their slave. And Dan Emer writes about this so brilliantly, so beautifully in the book, The Satan Gene. Satan, by the way, in the book, we should tell people, is both literal and metaphorical. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's mm -hmm. all I'm going to say to folks. I want you to buy this book. And if you can't afford it, I'll fucking buy it for you. It's that good. Yeah. And the best thing to do is hold the book in your hands. You know, turn the yeah, page. That's the best book. thing to do. And buy the book. Don't get the Kindle version no. like buy Dan has. Don't get the cheapy because he didn't spend no money on this book. I bought my own book. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Good. I really did. it. I had to test it. See? There you go. You see? Uh, yeah. yeah. I had to test it out. So, yeah, there, I bought my own. Nothing better, though, than holding a book in your yeah. hand and going... Read that. Look at this book. You see how yeah. thick that is? Mm -hmm. That's a thick ass book, folks. <laughs> yeah. And it's a hell of a read. I gotta tell you, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, one other thing. I watch I got two other things, but I want to talk to you about this. Um, let's talk about uh, a character named Sicarius. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to talk to you about this guy. Um Sicarius is an interesting character, too. I want to read a little bit about this, and then I want to ask you a question that, and I don't know if there's an answer in the book. If there is, I haven't found it yet. But let me just read this little passage. Sicarius glanced to his right. Under the organ pipes and effigy of Christ on a cross was displayed. Multiple rows of red candles were lit on two separate tables in front of the crucified Son of God. A vase containing white orchids stood at the Savior's feet. Watch over me, please, my Lord. The black nobility king opened his eyes and raised them up 
to the statue of Ignatius. I want to ask you a question. We'll stop right there. Who is the black nobility king? I have no clue. I wasn't sure if you knew. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, most of what I wrote uh, was research based, and I'll say to a certain extent, factual um, and not made up. Uh, but some of the stuff I had to make up because it, it was very difficult to find any information, and uh, so you know, I made up the bad guys type of thing, mm -hmm. but. You can you can probably see elements of that in today's you know society, right? When I read uh, that passage, Dan, I have to tell you, and not, I'm sorry again, to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when I read that passage, the Black Nobility King, it reminded me so starkly. I will use that word deliberately. It reminded me so starkly of the group called the Knights Templar mm. because the leader of the Templar in any given region was referred to as the Black King. Oh, interesting. I'm sorry, not the Black King, the Red King mm. for, for the reason that their garments and uh, uh, extruments here were uh, either, depending on where you were, either a red cassock with a white Templar cross or a white cassock with a red Templar cross, depending mm -hmm. on, on where you were. But the, the predominant color was always red with the Templars, particularly if you were higher up in the ranks. You know, the higher up you were, the more red you had. And they were called the Red Kings. It's interesting. That's why I asked you because well, I didn't. I never heard of the black nobility. King. Well, the uh, the idea behind using the term king um, was in reference to Revelation mm -hmm. uh, it, in the passage where they're talking about the the twelve kings will regain their kingdoms. Uh, I said, "Well, that sounds like a pretty pretty badass group." Mm -hmm. uh, so why not make them like the uh, the kingpins of the of the whole planet? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and so that's where I really where it came from. Uh, yeah. No, I had no idea that uh, anything was associated with yeah. the Templars, but yeah, yeah. But then even if it was, I wouldn't have used it, Angelo, because for me, uh, the Templar story and the Templar bad guys, if you will. I, I, I think that's been so used so much. It's been. I agree. I, I, I see a book now and if I pull it out and it starts talking about the Templars, I put the book back. Um, it's just, I, I, there, I needed something new and refreshing and a little bit outside of what, you know, like this particular mm -hmm. genre talks about. And the Templars have been a, a, a pretty, pretty strong underlying theme oh, uh, sure. through a lot of novels in the last, last oh, sure. decade. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to go there. I mean, I could have, and I had the research. I had the pile of books. I was ready to do it, and I said, "No, nah, I gotta, I gotta go into another area and, yeah. and find another group, and you know, make make I'm, them." I'm the glad <laughs> that you chose the way you did, Dan. Uh, I, I because I think it would have been easy and cheap to use the Templars. I like the fact that you made me question what is a black nobility king. Hmm. I like that. But again, in reference to the Templars, it's funny that even though you didn't use them, 
what you did here was very reminiscent of how the Templars carried out business. I'll give you an example. I will make this brief, the man said. The most holy king has determined that your mercenary services will no longer be required. You are to terminate your mission immediately. As such, you will have to seek out another way to return the Father General's good graces and obtain absolution. This decision is final. If that were not enough uh, of a comparison, if you were given a mission under the orders of the Templar King and you did not carry them out or failed to, um, you didn't get a second chance because uh, punishment was death. They were brutal. <laughs> yeah, they were brutal. Mm -hmm. um, never, you never know, Angelo. Maybe they are the kings. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, why, that's what makes a good conspiracy a conspiracy. Yes. Yeah. Amelia, questions yeah. for Dan. Yeah, and uh, the, the book here, and have, I know that as you were writing, I guess you were thinking about what they were doing in your head. Have you thought of making this into a movie or have been approached to make it into a oh movie? Oh, my God, yes. yeah. We, we, uh, yeah, well, we talk, we spoke about this pr uh, uh, previously, but um, it was written with the idea of making it a script, uh, not, not through me, but if somebody wanted to pick it up and write a script out of it, I'd say more than three quarters of the job is done because uh, a few years back I was studying uh, script writing, right? And uh, I learned a lot from that. Not that I was gonna ever write a script, but I learned uh, you know, a lot about uh, pacing and structure and uh, scene setups and stuff like that. So I definitely used it in the creation of this book um, because it reads like a movie. It does. I, I've been told in the past that yes. it, it reads like a movie. So whether it becomes a movie, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's yeah. there's so like, it, it, what are the chances? So it's Dan, sort of, I'll just throw trailer. it out there. <laughs> I'll throw that into the universe and <laughs> well, I'll let the universe take the, care of it. The trailer even plays like yes. a film. I was yeah. ready to have my popcorn ready. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that was intentional as well. I'll... I'll when we get off the air, don't go anywhere, Dan. Because yeah. I have, I have a connection to somebody. It's not a great connection, but they know the person. Um, and I'll tell you who it is when we get off the air. I would love to send them this book, because um, this person has done these kinds of movies before, uh, and a lot of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, so. Amelia, before we let Dan go, questions, comments, what do you got, kid? Yes, uh, you were. Uh, you also have uh, fitness books as well that uh, you do as yes. well. Yes, let's get into that. And yeah. um, as I, we were telling off the air, <clears throat> that, you know, we've a lot of us have lost weight and everything, and mm -hmm. I have a lot of loose skin that I have here that mm -hmm. I'm. Uh, how would I go about toning it up now that I've lost all that you, weight? You, you um, unfortunately, because believe me, my job would be so much easier if I, if it was possible to do it. But uh, there's not much we can do about uh, loose skin apart from a pretty elaborate <laughs> surgery to have it removed because you can't tone skin, mm -hmm. uh, at least not the way we do with muscles. And right. even then, we shouldn't even say toning because toning means uh, a muscle is innervated. Uh, so, so when we say tonus, it means a muscle has uh, mm -hmm. nerve activation, right? Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about firming up. 
Yeah. Okay, because that's what we're talking about, really. Okay, and and if we're talking about firming up, what we're yes. saying really is we want to increase our muscle mass. Muscle yeah. mass. And 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 I know a lot of women, particularly, look at me and then their eyes roll back and say, "Well, I don't want to be a bodybuilder." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm not trying to make you into a bodybuilder. And even if you wanted to be one, uh, I, I hope you're going to be. Um, you hey, know, I very, don't mind. Very, but you're going to. It's it's years. It's yeah. years yeah. of work, and it's an obsession. Okay, oh, you yeah. live. You you eat, you sleep, you drink, bodybuilding. All the, and the women are like mm -hmm. fanatical about it. Yes. Um, I, I've seen these women a, a lot. And let me tell you something. They, they don't, a lot of these women don't work. They, they live in the gym and they have corporate sponsors that pay their bills. Yeah. Yes. You know, if you can afford to get a corporate sponsor, mm -hmm. more power well, to you. Actually, yeah. in, in this era of uh, influencers, uh, that's a that's a heck of a lot more true than you would think. Um, yeah. So yeah. So there's a there's a driving factor there uh, monetarily. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's very much in now. It's a uh, it's an in thing. Uh, the fitness has come really into its uh, its prime now, and uh, now we can see it. It's exploding. You've got countless uh, Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts or. Yeah. whatever pages youtube you name them uh with people offering up uh, fitness yeah. advice and uh it, it blows my mind to what degree yeah. it's, it's, you know to see how big it's gotten my only yeah. my only scary thing about that is how many of them are actually qualified to well i was just about to say to you yeah. dan i would thank you for going there because yes, i was just absolutely. about to say to you Everybody and his brother now is a fitness expert. Mm -hmm. yeah. Forget about just being a fitness expert. Everybody and their brother's an expert now. Hmm. Because you can't talk to anybody on social media without yeah. being told that you don't know anything and they know everything. Particularly yeah. in the field of fitness, which I yeah. think is widely oversaturated with incompetent and unqualified people giving horrendous and dangerous advice Absolutely is there correct. anything that uh, we can do to stifle them to shut them down to get them out uh don't look <laughs> yes keep scrolling. i mean uh you know what it's so big now it's a big machine and i don't think any one individual or group is going to be able to stop this machine now yeah. because it's, it's rolling it's got steam uh, I, I would liken it to fighting off a snowstorm with a fly swatter. Oh. It, yeah. You ain't gonna win. There's just too much coming now that uh, it's 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 the you know the horse has left the barn and the barn has fallen down. Yeah, okay. boy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that that horse ain't coming back. So it's basically do your due diligence. You know, listen, okay, because you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of information out on the internet. I'm not saying you know this is not a blanket comment that it's all bad. Of course not. Uh, you know, and in most cases, a lot of those individuals do lead healthy lifestyles in terms of nutrition and whatnot, um, you know, and they're, they're exercising. So, I mean, how, how can you yeah. see something bad out of that? Uh, but what I would suggest to people is don't take it at face value. Take the information in and then do your own little research on the side and try and get, you know, corroboration yeah. from outside sources that are science backed, you know, before saying, OK, it's it's the gospel truth. Yeah. Okay, because I'll tell you, every single fitness expert on the on the uh, internet right now is trying to be the the uh, the bringer of truth 
to be hmm. the guru. But I mean, in a sense, there now I'm seeing a lot of repetition. They're all proposing the same exercises. They're giving the same information. I'm thinking, sure. okay, you know what? There's nothing new now. It's okay. called they're, follow the leader, Dan. It, it really is because the 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 uh, the influencers are following the influencers who are following mm -hmm. the influencers. Who, exactly. Right. You know, and they're all repeating yeah. and regurgitating the same stuff. And I'm saying, well, sure. how do you come out as being different? You know, what are you, what are you saying that's different that's really going to have an impact? And, and when I wrote those books initially, that was my, my, my primary question for both of them was, how am I different? Exactly. What am I bringing to the table? I mean, if I'm just rehashing the same old damn thing, oh, yeah, absolutely. why write it? You know? Right. So um, I, I had to bring another approach to it. I mean, one of the, 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 the bigger ones was um, uh, the, the method of transmitting the information. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and, and this is really important because uh, we see a lot of uh, blogs, we see a lot of books, we see a lot of uh, videos and whatnot, but it's a transference of information um, that has no emotion attached to it. And it's not interesting in a, in a sense. So yeah. I decided that I wanted to make it such that my books were based on uh, conversations I've had over, what, 38 years with clients, conversations, mm -hmm. real people. Yeah. real conversations right. and i put them all into a story yeah so it's not it's not a, a bland information book oh sure it, you're, yeah. you're reading a story absolutely okay it's basically a trainer talking to his clients who want to mm -hmm. attain whatever goal they want to attain so the the idea was to make it interesting and to carry it forward and to add a human element to it you know some well, real touchy feelings the fact that it's not a, a a monologue, it's a dialogue. Yeah, goes a long way. Yeah, um, and you can make it. You can make it. Yeah. It's got heart too, because you can inject oh, some sure. humor oh, into yeah. it, uh, which I th I thought was a lot of fun, yeah. and uh, it becomes more of a, a real world thing. You know, people can identify with the characters yeah. because they're based on real conversations. These yeah. these things are not made up. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have like, I don't know how many people I've, I've worked with over the years, but I have to thank them all because much of it, you know, much of those books came from them. Sure. You know, I just, I just oh. brought everything together and gelled it. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, you know, they were, they were as much a part of it as I was, I think. Sure. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of us, like, you know, I didn't use no lap band or anything like that. None of us did. We did it the natural way, exercise, yeah. right. Sure. And that's what I yeah. like about that because... A lot of people don't, you don't want to use the lap band. You want to exercise the right way. You want yeah. to make sure you eat correct. Well, I'll tell you son, what, I want him to do that as well. I, I hmm. have to cut you off, Mila. I'm, I'm oh. sorry, but I'm, I'm up at eight o'clock here. Yep. Um, we we got to have him back for exercise. Well, then I promise Dan will be back mm -hmm. and I will have him back for you. And we will have, yes. we will not talk about the Satan gene. We'll talk about <laughs> exercise, health, yes. and nutrition. But I have to tell everyone that Friday, this Friday, June 16th, we've got a very special episode yes. of What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast, television and film actor, Johnny Whitaker. You remember him from Family Affair and Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Wow. He will be here Friday to talk to us about his ups and downs the trials and tribulations of being a child actor, how it almost killed him and how he is being redeemed now by the same crew of people that almost wanted his head off. But in the meantime, 
We are going to say goodbye to Dan Emer, who is uh, one of our favorite authors. He's be quickly becoming my favorite author. He really is. Amelia, what else we got coming up? We got the Savannah uh, Paranormal Group coming up next week. Yes, well. we have Savannah Paranormal. We're going to talk about um, ghosts and, and uh, spooky sightings and the paranormal and specters and all kinds of <laughs> weird oh, shit oh, like sorry that. About that. <laughs> talk that about talk life. about oh, paranormal. There it yeah. goes. That was a ghost right there. Right? <laughs> that was a ghost right there. That ghost was right on cue, baby. <laughs> that was oh boy. Well, I'll tell you what. For, for Dan Emer. Dan Emer is the author of The Satan Gene. Get it on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. For Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman, I am the Mad Dog, Angelo DeCipio. Join me next time on What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>